2: And the edge of the world, UFAMet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry.
1: Live on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNWAM in Seattle, I'm Jim Perry, and you're listening to Night Drift, presented by UFAMet. Coming to you tonight from Santa Monica, California. The Northwest Moss has dried from my back, but the salty air remains in my lungs as we plunge holding our breath deep into the unknown tonight, hoping, praying, that the devils inside us in the City of Angels will come up for air, and perhaps offer us a glimpse of its ghost. People see ghosts. What they are, where they're from, is anyone's guess. Or is it? Are we entering into a time where technology imparts answers for what a specter may be? A device in which can visualize them and interpret the veracity of their visitations? A spectre vision? Well, no. Not as a device. Not yet. However, spectre vision is a film studio. Known for psychedelic horrors and paranormally fueled feasts of the senses. In such films as Mandy and Color Out of Space, we see the ghosts all right. They're in our mind, in our heart, right in front of us like some arcane ritual of flickering light. Filmmaker, writer, producer, experiencer, partner at Spectre Vision, Daniel Noah is here. And he's going to talk about these specters. His specters. My specters. The conversation you'll be hearing next was previously recorded. We were rushing to get this studio set up and didn't quite make it by airtime, so we rolled with what we had, which was something just recognizable as our voices in a room somewhere. Right after this, on Night Drift, presented by Euphomet. fireball flew over Los Angeles last night and no one noticed but veteran Euphemet producer Tyler Davis Carey. We don't know where it landed, but a part of me thinks in Altadena. Smashing into the mountainside watershed with an unceremonious sploosh, hiss and sizzle. The tiny seams of the craggy space rock revealing the twisting of tentacles trying to break out. But alas, everyone here in Los Angeles, wants to be a star. I'm Jim Perry, and this is Night Drift presented by UfaMet. And our guest tonight, which you're about to hear in a very non professional sounding setup, is Daniel Noah. Enjoy the conversation. Let your ears drift into that room with us.
3: And our guest tonight is filmmaker Daniel Noah, a founding partner of Spectre Vision the award-winning production company behind horror titles, such as A Girl Walks Home Alone. Mandy and their most recent film, No Man of God. Here's the co-host of podcast Visitations with Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah. Daniel, my friend, thank you so much for joining me. we're set up in a matter of minutes. <laughs> and also the producers of the other side of things. Um, we're doing it. We're broadcasting all over the West Coast. It's incredible. And the world. Incredible. the universe <laughs> just like that meteor. Uh, let's let's get deep very quick. okay. straight away. How does it feel to experience what some may consider a ghost? It depends on on the ghost,
0: <laughs> I would say. <laughs> um, it is uh, I think your question is right. How does it feel? It is mostly a feeling when it happens.. Mm. Um, uh, it, it, you know, I've never seen a ghost. Well, maybe <laughs> there, I mean, the, I think the one time that, that, uh, we saw something, uh, was, it was hard to know if I think the very act of seeing it made us doubt that it was a ghost, oh, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause it was so, the, the, the person that we saw was so clear and corporeal looking that we doubted. We doubted if it was, but, uh, but I think it's mostly a feeling and it depends, um, it depends on, um, it depends on who or what you're encountering, you know, and, and, uh, I'm saying we, cause I've always been with other people when it's yeah. happened. Um, so the first, the first incident was a very positive feeling, a very warm feeling, uh, that was at the Stanley hotel, which I've talked to you about before. The yeah. second at the Queen Mary was very toxic and dark and scary Mm -hmm. um uh let's say that the third time in green valley lake was also very dark and very scary um so it just depends but it is one of those things where you do feel something changing in the atmosphere on a cellular level or like there's you know there's i suppose someday we'll have instruments to measure these things in the same way that we have instruments to measure barometric pressure right. which is something we can't see and the yeah. time we didn't know that it was even a thing right and now we can have a little meter that tells us what it's doing yeah. so what but, but you know until then we only have our bodies right. you know to to be that instrument and and one of the things that i try and practice is trusting that instrument uh to to uh to tell me when something's happening sure. and and um, and to try and uh as almost an experiment, to believe it, uh, it, to lean into it, to not approach it with... Um, I find the term healthy skepticism to to be... Um, I don't think skepticism is healthy, mm, actually. Interesting. I think it's unhealthy. Yeah. I think it shuts out a lot of information that um, can be really eye-opening. And I think that the phenomenon, as we call it, doesn't like skepticism and tends to steer clear of it which yeah. only reinforces the, the skepticism of the skeptic.
3: As it's a <laughs> funny kind of game. <laughs> right. right. Well, that's what I thought was so uh, brilliant about every time we chat about these things, is that uh, in addition to all of the experience that you have had and that you're very open about now, uh, you do also have opinions. <laughs> have some hot takes that yeah. have developed uh, upon your, your, you know, your years of studying this. You know, I think let's reset for a second and just take us back to maybe the first time in your life where you felt that things could just be a little more strange than what we're told. Well, I think it would be the first time that I accepted it. Would be really more good. Mm. Uh,
0: because after that incident at the Stanley Hotel, I started to look retroactively back at other incidents in my life that I'd been in denial about, <laughs> and and sort of replaying that tape with a new perspective. But the the um, the the incident at the Stanley, with, which was. Um, I'm not going to go into it in a lot of detail because we would burn the whole hour on it, but, but, uh, a, f- a sort of, uh, Netflix, uh, uh, you know, description <laughs> style, uh, 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 version would be that, um, a, a group, a large, a, a surprisingly large group of witnesses were there for uh, a Ouija board experience in which I was one of four people on the planchette that um really defied explanation and it, 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 you know it, I, I had it, to that point
3: had been a total skeptic and was particularly skeptical about ouija boards which i uh, yeah and oh. a horror film festival yes so you're we were, surrounded by a lot of creative individuals that, yeah. that uh you know sort of their career is yeah uh within tangentially within this realm that's right Yeah. So there there was a Ouija board that was brought out at the
0: Stanley and the Stanley hotel is, is in Estes park, Colorado. And it's the hotel, it's purported to be one of the most haunted places in the world or structures in the world or something. And it is um, the place where Stephen King had an experience that inspired him to write the shining. Um, so, and it's very dramatic. It, uh, it, it definitely is, um, they're wearing it on their sleeve as yeah. part of it. feels like it's part of how they are promoting right. themselves, yeah. which if you're a skeptic only <laughs> serves yeah. to go, oh, well, this is an opportunistic yeah. thing on their part. Um, but there was a Ouija board brought out and and the planchette did things that really defied physics in some ways. It, it was, the way that it was moving was, um, it, it didn't make any sense. and. Moreover, it was, we were um, communicating with something, uh, a little girl who then sent us up to a different room in the hotel to meet her. And when we got there, there was, as chance would have it, unfortunately, because I think about this all the time that they hadn't been there. There was another couple who, who just happened to be at that exact spot when we arrived who were uh, reacting to having just seen the ghost of a child in oh, front man. of the room that we had been sent to. And,
4: oh, and I left that feeling like um, it, it, it would be,
0: for, for, for uh, someone who had been a dedicated skeptic who, who had wedded myself to logic, I felt that I would be a hypocrite to write this off because it would be illogical <laughs> to write it off and this is my issue with a lot of it's come to be my issue with a lot of dedicated skeptics is that the gymnastics that they'll go through mm-hmm. to avoid accepting the possibility of a paranormal explanation become ridiculous at a certain point they become the 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 um the the gymnastics that you have to do to explain what happened that night with the way the planchette was moving by itself and the the you know the other couple and, and you know the kind of technology that would be required and the idea that the hotel hired actors and all these things it's just right. at a certain point it becomes uh, less credible than
3: a real paranormal experience. Yeah, right. Yeah, they have some incredible holographic technology that they're using. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you really do see these rabbit holes that extreme skeptics employ. Yeah, with well, it's simply this and. Sometimes it's simply not and it's something it, we can't explain. It, exactly,
0: and I think, and uh, I think, a favorite, um, afraid, a favorite approach of the skeptic is, "Well, could it have been?" Fill in the blank, dust on the lens, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And what I always want to say is, "Yes, and it also could have been a ghost." <laughs>
3: <laughs> we playing <Exactly>. that game. <laughs> How often do these conversations happen now in your daily life? Being that at one point in time you were a skeptic, and yeah. now you have entered this different stage in your life over the last couple of years, yeah. How often do these conversations happen? Well, in my household, they happen all the time uh-huh.
0: <laughs> because um, Ariel and I are—it's um, a big, you know, central preoccupation of our of our lives.
3: Significant other, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, uh, but it, it's—I think—as I've had the courage to go more outspoken about this stuff and you know a big part of that being you and your show (laughs)
3: um
0: and which is very much driven by my feeling when i first realized what was happening uh, or when i first wrapped my head around what was happening that that i felt uh ashamed worried that i would be judged and had a difficult time finding people that i could look to to get information and you right. know, it turns out actually that's largely in the world of podcasts right now yeah. and and uh, publishing uh but it, it you know i felt compelled to um try and lead by example and not be secretive about it and, yeah. to, and to be open about it and and i think you know i find that a little bit word gets out you know my professional life occasionally i'll have a meeting with someone who will say like, hey, I heard, you know, I heard you're the you know, ghost stuff or whatever. And I've been actually pleasantly surprised at how
3: people are excited to talk about it. Everyone wants to talk talk about this stuff. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. Yeah, and everybody has a story, whether everybody. they're skeptical or not. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you sent me a, a really interesting National Geographic article earlier yeah. today <laughs> where they purported that something like 40% of Americans believe
0: in ghosts. And those are only the ones willing to admit it yeah. to themselves and to others, right? I imagine that the, the the number is much higher
3: Yeah, the reality. I think so, yeah. Everyone has a story, and they love talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had the pleasure, as you mentioned, to do a feature on you, and it actually extended into two episodes, yeah. which was great. It's called The Glowing. People can check that out. I believe it's episodes 28 and 29. In that feature, you detailed a lot of stories and strange experiences. Mm -hmm. One of them, you just recounted for us right there. But none of the stories you shared seem to startle you as much as your experience on the Queen Mary. Yeah. And and listen, it's a a ship that's docked just miles away from here. Yeah. uh, Brooding, foreboding, empty, dark right now. It's a vessel for whatever may happen to it in the future. Right now, there's some ghosts potentially that that are very lonely (laughs) and maybe very upset. What did you experience that night in
0: Long Beach? Well, again, I'll I'll give you the TV guide version. Um, uh, But in in essence, um, I was there with uh, some colleagues uh, because at that time we were talking about making a film about the Queen Mary, potentially even shooting parts of it on the Queen Mary. That never came to fruition, but... um, so we sort of had free reign of the place and let's just say we made a wrong turn <laughs> and ended up in the bowels of the ship that not the part where they take you on the ghost tour, but like the part where you're not supposed to. be. Yeah. And, um, there was a deafening banging sound and like a horror movie. And I, I'll interject to say that, that, and, and, and this will come, what I'm about to say will, eventually lead back to the topic that i said earlier for our agenda which is daffy duck Um, (laughs) uh, um, that one of the things that's so funny and puzzling about when these that's happened is that they are riddled with horror cliches Mm. is something i noticed right away is there are things like you know oh, okay really three knocks on the door (laughs) 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 Um, and and in this case we like a classic horror movie, had just uh, uh, wound our way through a series of corridors, and and when we came to the dead end and tried to turn back, we couldn't find our way back. And this is again one of these things where you go, okay, well, I've seen that in a lot of horror films. I can't. You, you tell me that actually happened, and it did actually happen. Wow. And uh, so <laughs> we we were we we um, in trying to just find our way back to the proper public area of the hotel, which, which is hard to do. It is on the Queen Mary, particularly when you're down where you're not supposed to be. Um we ended up um in this in the middle like like a part of the ship that um a a giant open room that was down on the lowermost level. I don't know ship shipping terminology, but would be whatever the part is that were like the next thing is the ocean under you. And um and we could tell that the banging was coming from that room. And we heard two men talking to each other and thought, okay, now we know what's happening. There's some sort of construction project happening down here because there were bright flood lamps and we're going to get in trouble. But hey, you know what? At least we're going to find our way out of here. So um, we moved to enter that room to ask for help. And we all kind of simultaneously hesitated. And it was one of those cellular hair on the back of your neck feelings. Yeah. And we, um, screwed down our courage and, and went into the room. And as we did, the voices stopped and the banging continued. And, um, and there was, um, tied to the ceiling spread Eagle. Uh, I don't, I don't know what it was. It was some sort of a, uh, a corpse, yeah. like, a, like a, um, I, I, i'm assuming not a real corpse it right. looked very real you've seen the right. photo it does yeah. look real yeah. um tied up on on rope um suspended from the ceiling maybe i don't know 25 30 feet in the air yeah. and um and the banging was continuing there so um then later that night that i was um you know harassed in my room mm-hmm. by something that again that bang, banged on the door violently and my phone kept ringing and um, so uh, hmm. later, um, uh, after nosing around a little bit on the ship, discovered that the room we had been in had only recently been opened up as part of a construction project and, um, and that other people on the staff had been hearing the banging and had been unclear about what it was. Hmm. Um, on the night that uh, Joe Biden was elected, which would have been, no, sorry, the night The Returns came in. I don't remember what night that was, November 14th, or something like that. Um, uh, I I happened to to pull up an old episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, look, they did the Queen Mary. (laughs) Cool. And this would have been—I think it might even have been the pilot episode, or something. Maybe so. And so, very early. It was very early, yeah. And so, they're talking about the Queen Mary and all the things, various things that have happened. And they suddenly do this little bit—it's like two or three minutes—on the banging sound that would come from this particular area in the bowels of the ship, and the two and the voices of the two men speaking to each other, and then a recording of it. And it was exactly what we had heard. And there's one little detail that I left out was that when we went back over it together, what we all realized is that the men had not been speaking English, but actually we couldn't identify the language. And and that is exactly how it was described and broadcast on. Unsolved Mysteries. So it was, you know, one of the things that happens with this stuff and I hear people in interviews talking about this all the time is that you have an experience and then the further away you get from it, the more you start to start to doubt it, right? You start to only remember your retelling of it. Yeah, is it, the more you, it's like looking at a photo that replaces a memory. Mm-hmm. The more you tell a story, the, the less you can actually remember experiencing it, and so you start to doubt it, and you wonder if did I embellish this? Have I, you know, is it is it something that every time I tell it, I embellish it a little bit more and now converted it into something? And so, I think I. When I heard, saw that on Mysteries, I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. This really happened and, and other people have
3: experienced it and someone even got a document. Yeah. Well, right away, I mean, once I saw that, uh, that skeleton that you yeah. sent me, whether it was fake or whatever else, you know, it, it felt like corroborating evidence to me. Because essentially, in situations like that, in my experience, uh, those things will be put up almost as modern totems to mm. the lore of oh, what right. has happened by right. those people that work there right and so over the years these stories happen hey barney saw this thing hey Harry, mm. isn't this crazy <laughs> hey look who's up there it's it's a part of that like sort of inner folklore of those places and i think um that's maybe what that was there was like hey it could be it could be fascinating i mean uh, i think it was uh, important for you to tell the end of that story because that's a part we never got to on your. Euphemism. It's true because well, it hadn't happened yet. It hadn't happened yeah. yet.
0: I mean, I think the other <laughs> thing that hadn't happened was the, if I remember correctly, was the those photos that we looked at later, where, there when we went into the quote unquote most haunted room on the ship, yeah, and took a bunch of pictures, and it was late, much much later that we went back and noticed that there was a, a, like an ectoplasmic. Hand yeah. in the corner of a couple of the photos that look like a skeleton hand. Oh you can see it, it's it's plain as day. when you yeah.
3: Look at the pictures. Do you mind if we share some of that with the audience? No, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll we'll share it on Instagram on an Instagram post, and so you folks can look at it. So we're here with Daniel Noah talking about uh, some of his experiences. Um, we'll probably be talking a little bit about filmmaking and the paranormal and ghosts on Night Drift with Jim Perry, and I and I want you to know. Um, you can call in and share your story with us at 425-373-5527 and toll-free in Western Washington, 888 298 kknw The Stanley Hotel, of course, is a place that granted you a, a pretty weird story. That's also a place that you would be interested in going back yeah. and seeing if you could have more experiences, yeah? Well, I'd love to... I have a very
0: warm feeling about that place. And part of it is, of course, to see if you have more
3: experiences. Um, uh, but yeah, I would, I, I would love to go back there. Isn't that a part of this kind of wretched curse? That maybe it's a delightful curse. Maybe that's a wrong way to phrase it. But as you mentioned, uh, the, the the longer you go without having an experience, yeah. it's almost as if you tap out, and it's almost as if uh, these memories only become stories. Yeah, and you almost need to go back out to to have it reconfirmed all over again. Yes, once is never enough. Yeah, can you explain like how that feels to you? And is there anything that you do maybe on the regular to help uh, make you feel better in that situation, or do you feel like you're like me uh, can kind of lose those memories, so to so to say, to story? I think when
0: it's part of what you're talking about to me is part and parcel to the doubt. Yeah, Like did this, did I, am I making this up? Did I invent a memory because it's fun and it's a good party trick. Um, but I, I, I then come back to the things that are irrefutable. The, 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 elements of these experiences where other people were there, or there was something was recorded audio or video.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and I, and I, Look at them, and I go. I'm not crazy. This happened. There's a picture of it. There's, you know, there was 15 other people in the room. It's, <laughs> and, um, it's, it, um, but uh, what I, you know, we've we've talked about this before. But the the um the idea that the that this is all stolen from John Keel, the, who probably stole it from Jacques Palet, who stole it from someone else. But is that the brain is a receiver? And that it is only tuned in to um, a very narrow frequency. And they're coming for us. We're t- telling too much truth. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> um, uh, but that, as John Keel says, a small percentage of us, um, I think he says 10%, mm-hmm. uh, have access to a slightly broader uh, frequency on the dial, so to speak. And those are the people that are called sensitives or clairvoyants or what have you, um, which I increasingly find to be not totally productive or constructive language because mm-hmm. it makes it seem like there's something... The, the word clairvoyant suggests that um, there's something... Supernatural happening. I don't even find the, the word supernatural to be helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's that it's
3: see hot takes. Hot let's takes. go into that. Let's, <laughs> let's break that down. What what bothers what you do about supernatural? Well, it suggests that that someone has superpowers when, in mm-hmm. fact, I think what's
0: happening is that most people have limited powers. So the people that are called clairvoyants I, I, are just they might just have a slightly greater access to the information that's out there, the data that's out there. If we have only our five senses, right, to deal with. What's happening around us, and and um, it, it's ludicrous to think that that. Uh, so hopefully, I can remember all of them, sight, uh, uh, sound, touch, <laughs> taste, and uh, what would be the fifth? I already, I'm, then, I'm oh, still waiting. Yeah, sight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they got. They got it. Um, <laughs> It's, 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 it's absurd for, for us to think that, that those are the, that those five senses are the only senses, right? And in the term, the sixth sense, what does that even mean? You know, that's, that, that, you know, that that's what you say about someone who's quote unquote psychic, but it's, I I just trying to think of a good analogy. It's, um, um, it would be like a TV that, um, that is, um, it's broken, And it can only get three channels out of a thousand. Yeah, and when it picks up two extra signals, they say it's a super TV.
3: Yeah, but it isn't.
0: It's a broken TV, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) So I think that's why I, I find. I also find you know I think words are tremendously important. I'm a writer. I can't help it, but I think words have. They have a tremendous influence on the way that we contextualize things for ourselves when we hear words. I think words need to be chosen very carefully. I also did get really kind of um, um, frou frou about it. I think words also have like a power to them beyond yeah. intellectual content. I think you know, word or, uh, the, the, oh, there's a reason why words are chanted to yeah. invoke things, and so you know, there's a vibration that comes off of words and. Um, so uh, you know, I think using words like supernatural and clairvoyant and it it, it 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 makes it too easy to dismiss right important ideas right. and and uh, so I don't like
3: them. I don't remember where we how we got here. Where where where, where did that what, what exit did we take? Yeah, again? we just took the exit. <laughs> We're running from the cops right now. We're actually uh, going to go to the phone lines right now. I told Daniel earlier today that I have a phone plant. So uh, <laughs> we're going to go to Matthew in Nashville, Indiana. Matthew, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, gentlemen? Very good. It's it's great to hear your voice. Uh, you, know, you from that listeners are going to hear a, a lot more of, of that voice here soon with something that, uh, that that I had the pleasure of spending some time with you and working on. And uh, I thought it would be great for you to chime in here. Night Drift listeners obviously are familiar with you for an appearance on the show uh, sometime last year. And uh, you are uh, a, a, a ITC researcher, I think would maybe be the best way to describe or an explorer of ITC research. H- how would you describe yourself and how are you doing at night? Hey, uh, I, I, I'm doing great. I, I'm excited to talk to both
4: of you. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say um, I, I'm a searcher of sorts, and typically I've always relied more on the Audio side of things that seems to be what, you know, really kind of gets me excited. But, you know, and, and, and the theme of tonight's show, I have had a couple of visual experiences that are pretty mind blowing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, paranormal investigator, someone that tries to, you know, I've, I've tried to connect. Uh, you know, tragic uh, history to uh, haunted claims. And I've been to uh, tons of different locations and have uh, met, made uh, met some incredible people and made some incredible friends along the way. So I'm, that's um, uh, me. It's, you know, I'm pretty excited to be a part of the community. Really.
3: Fantastic, man. I'm, I'm glad you're doing good down there. Uh, say, I, I wonder if uh, you have any uh, thoughts or questions Um, or ideas for uh, some of Daniel's stories and some of these experiences that he had from a perspective of a paranormal investigator? Well, you you know, when it comes to like...
4: The visual sighting, I mean, it's just so rare and so unusual for something like that to happen. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's ever prepared for it. And, you know, along the lines of what he was saying, after you have something like that happen to you, you almost immediately start to. You know, backtrack it in your mind and, and question mm-hmm. yourself and, and the, the memory of everything gets really, 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 uh, strange, you know? And you're like, how much of it is, am I truly remembering what happened or how much am I like feeding this thing? Uh, so I, I really identified personally with what he was saying because you know, the first <laughs> couple times that I had that experience, I mean, I, I really felt the more I told it, the crazier I was. <laughs> and, oh, and, you know, the first time I saw something, I, re- it was a long time before I even told people because it just, uh, seemed so, you know, almost ridiculous to me. And, and I, I just, I second guessed every second of it.
3: Yeah. And Daniel, it's kind of easy to happen, right? Especially when you're a creative person sometimes mm-hmm. to, uh, I don't know. Sometimes that's the first thing I think other people may say, Oh, you have a great imagination. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's tricky. And I, you know, and, and um, it, it's very, it's very easy to doubt it. Um, it, it, you know, I want, there's a, uh, I wanted to maybe tell the story of what happened, in Joshua Tree recently, which I know you had mentioned, it was something that I don't think I've talked about yet. Yeah, on, on a microphone.
3: Let's let's talk about that if you want. Yeah, let's let's save that for after the break. Okay, sure. sure. And we'll talk about that. And I have some questions uh, for both of you, Matthew. Are you okay to stay on with us for a little while? Oh yeah, I, I can definitely hang out. Uh, I have ben. to say though, I'm hearing like some uh, some lady
4: talk in the background, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that is.
3: Probably the ghost. I I don't know. You tell me, Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Is this an ITC kind of thing going on here?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I should turn off my ghost boxes before I I call in. I know.
3: Yeah, Uh, man. Like that old thing with uh, the conversation going on. You know when, when Art would have to tell people, like, please turn down your radio! <laughs> That's a, uh, please turn down your spirit box, sir. <laughs> okay, everyone. Exactly. Uh, you you are listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry, and we are taking your calls, as you can see. Have you had an encounter? Let us know. And keep listening to Night Drift, here on Alternative Talk 1150 and KKMW. <laughs>
2: Drifting deeper into the night, Jim Perry is taking your calls at 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW-5569.
1: What's better on a chilly fall night than curling up in front of the TV for a great, scary movie? And nobody has a better collection of horror, thriller, and the supernatural than Shudder, the best streaming service for horror. Shudder is the exclusive home for found footage hit VHS 94, a Shudder original. Shutter's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like Vicious Fun, The Mortuary Collection, and PG Psycho Goreman. Plus, all the best horror documentaries and the hit Creepshow TV series from executive producer Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. And thanks to AMC Network Shutter, You've Met listeners can watch all of that and more for free right after you finish this episode. To try Shudder for free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code UFAMED. That's S H U D D E R.com, promo code UFAMED. Binge the latest seasons of Creepshow and Slasher, both exclusively on Shudder. Catch new episodes of drag competition show The Belay Brothers Dragula and new docuseries Behind the Monsters on the origins and pop culture dominance of your favorite modern movie monsters. I watch on my Apple TV with some stove-popped popcorn and throw it all up in the air with every jump scare that happens. It's not too hard to get into what you're watching on Shudder. New exclusives this month include Nicolas Cage in Prisoners of Ghost Land and Killer Shark movie Great White. You can watch those films and more for free right after you finish this episode. New stuff is added weekly. It's just $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. But you can try Shudder for free for 30 days and help support Euphomet while you're at it. Just go to Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use promo code Euphomet.
2: of the Cascades to the rest of the world. Lines are open. Call 425-373-5527 or toll free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW.
3: We're back here with Daniel Noah. And you can go back and listen to his Euphema features in the podcast feed. Look for episodes 28 and 29, The Glowing and if you want more Night Drift, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please follow, rate, and review. And don't forget to subscribe to That while you're at it. That's E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T. For more information, visit Uphomet.com. And next week, this program comes to you from rural Ohio. I'll be at the old Post Town School as part of Ryan Singer's comedy special. And you can too. Join us on Saturday, twenty October uh, 20? That's not a real thing. <laughs> Saturday, October 23rd at 7pm. You can get the tickets right now at ranksingercomedy.com singer.com, rank I'll be gathering tape all weekend while there and presenting a very special uh, episode for you next Sunday. That's next week, 5pm Pacific Time, 8pm Eastern here on Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNW and stream worldwide at youthnet.com Tonight, however, we're here in Los Angeles with filmmaker Daniel Mola, his film company, with partner Elijah Wood. Spectre Vision makes chilling displays of horror, a glimpse into a psychedelic paranormal reality. Daniel, as heard on his UFOnet features, is an experiencer himself of visitations of sorts. Daniel, I wonder, do you feel filmmakers have a responsibility to not just be influenced by the stories of experiencers, but? to somehow share some truth about them? Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat>
0: well, and, and for many people who make, uh, who tell stories, fiction, um, when in doubt, go to the truth. That's always, you know, how, how How do we make this decision? How do we, what choice do we make here? That What I always say is, well, let's, how does it really work? Let's look at how it really works, whether that's about the way a uh, a car engine works or the way that an encounter with a ghost works. Let's, let's go, let's go to the truth. And, and I have, I've found myself um, struggling at times with um, projects that come into us that are on subjects I happen to know a bit about in the realm of the paranormal that are not accurate. (laughs) Representations. (laughs) And it's a funny conundrum to be in because that shouldn't be a problem. (laughs) The question should be, is this this entertaining? But what I've come to wrap my head around is that I think that we may not realize when we're making things, or maybe we do. Um, that we are tapping into some greater reality, some greater truth. And and I think most artists will tell you that when they're in the zone, when they're experiencing flow, it's not them, it's not their ideas, it's not I, I the phrase that I love to use is um when you're making art or when you're writing or when you're when you're making a podcast or writing music, you're transcribing the angels, mm-hmm. right? It's not you. Wow. Yeah. It's not you. It's um you are simply a vessel through which a thing's passing through. So where is that coming from? Right? That becomes the interesting question. When I look back at the work that we did at Spectre Vision before I wrap my head around being an experiencer, yeah. I'm s- surprised to see that I had already been, I mean to speak for myself. Leaning into a lot of the ideas that I later came to understand were the way things really work. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, a, it begs an important question. Do, did that come from within or did it come from without? And, yes. and I don't know the answer, but I'd like to say humbly that it came from without, right? That it was that, 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 and again, I'm, I, I, it's. I, I think it's generally a sin to use the word "I" when you're talking about making art. You always want to say "we." But I am using the word "I" because I don't want to speak for anyone else, right? I think when I, when when I made the choices that I made as a part of a team on films that that I worked on, I look back and I go, um, I think I had this, this. I think that that there was some idea that was passing through me that I only came to understand intellectually years later, and and that's incredibly interesting.
3: Mm -hmm. in and of itself. Yeah. Um, We're also here with Matthew Jackson, paranormal investigator based in Indiana. Matthew, are you still on the line with us here? I am. Fantastic. Uh, Listen, I got to ask you, you know, with your work with paranormal investigation, how has the perception or how uh, paranormal phenomenon has been displayed through media affected negatively or positively Your work with ghost investigation and dealing with uh, potentially a residential case or even just your own work? Well, uh, you know,
4: when it comes to residential cases, you pick up really quick when you've uh, spoken with someone if they're a fan of uh, paranormal you know tv shows ghost hunting mm-hmm. shows and stuff like that because uh it's like they know too much without really knowing anything that they're talking about you know as far mm-hmm. as like you know methodology or like equipment that you might be carrying with you that they want to see and so forth and i think a lot of those shows have built like an unreal expectation for what that type of uh work or the high type of help that you might want to facilitate someone uh, you know, with so you know, unfortunately, it, 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 it it's. I know. I think it's definitely put a um, an unreal expectation in people's minds, but at the same time, it's also raised awareness that that type of thing even exists. So I mean, there there's good and bad. I think with both of that, you know.
3: Yeah, I experienced that with my work. Uh, there's right. folks that um, will share stories that uh, potentially are something from TV, on occasion. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're you're right. It is as if it's signal boosting, and uh, you know, depending on where the wind blows in which direction, uh, it's whether it's negative or positive. It, it, Daniel, one of the things I think I'd like to get to Joshua Tree in a second. here, sure. but Before we leave that, just this idea our paranormal themed stories could, could they be messages yes. from the phenomenon yes. and then you know sort of we sort them out into media or investigation or whatever that may be
0: i believe they are yeah um and and uh there there's i, I i'm getting into a kooky place where i'm starting to, i maybe believe too much you know but i <laughs> I, I it's it's because of this um, this experience that I've had of, of encountering these literary cliches over and over again in, 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 in actual phenomena that are happening then, mm-hmm. that I'm starting to go okay. Well, if if there is sort of a one to one relationship for me, it's primarily been go, ghost experiences, um, and and they've unfolded like they were written by Shirley Jackson or Henry James, and I and, I, and so <laughs> that it so that it makes me wonder. Were they channeling, right? Were they experiencers? Were you know? Were they transcribing the same angels that we're all transcribing, right? And then when you start to look at the most enduring myths in paranormal or in supernatural literature and film, it's it's hard not to wonder: Does that one-to-one relationship exist elsewhere? You know. Yes. So, what are the most enduring? Um, uh, you know, supernatural uh, characters, as vampires, there's werewolves, there's ghosts, there's cryptids, right? Um, uh, back in my, in an earlier part of my life, when I only looked at these things through the lens of literature, I, you know, it's, I'm sure we can find 156,000 college theses about, why, you know, what is the enduring myth of the vampire about? It's yeah. about the expression of repressed sexuality and desire to live forever and, all the, and it is those things it is all those things for sure but um am i saying vampires exist i don't know i you know it seems ludicrous but maybe there's something like that that exists it depends that we, on how you judge you know it. I, exactly uh, you know i mean do, do do i believe that werewolf you know there's somebody running around being like, I can't be under the light of the full moon or I'll turn into a, were- a werewolf or a woman. No, but when you learn about skinwalkers, you start to wonder, is this the werewolf? Is it? it? So, uh, you know, I, I, I know how kooky all this stuff sounds, but it's, it's, you know, when you start pulling
3: that thread, you realize that it just keeps going and going and going in terms of werewolves, it really depends on what Reddit board you find. yourself. going got to say, Matthew, I'd love to bring you in here. You know, can you comment a little bit about your experience with evidence that seems just too on the nose or too good or too out of a film? How often do you experience that? And is, you know, is the, how do you deal with that essentially? It's always been puzzling to me
4: because, you know, even if you go back and you watch, you know, I'm sure some of the old like uh, Warner Brothers uh, cartoons or uh, probably even the Three Stooges, anything that might involve like a haunted house, the most cliche response that you could ever hear from a quote unquote ghost is get out. And if I had a mm-hmm. dollar for every time I got an EVP, that said, get out, or a, a catch that came across an ITC device that said get out. I mean, I'd be a very, very <laughs> well investigator, and, and 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 it always, you know, makes me wonder. It's like, why is it always that? I mean, is there really this like territorial presence? Is that where that comes from, or is it the expectation uh, that? They think that's what they're supposed to do because we anticipate it, you know? So I, I, I definitely have gone around and around with that. And, you know, I've tried to always steer my line of, of conversation when I do my sessions to avoid anything that can be answered with a get out or a yes or a no, just to try to draw more out or to, uh, you know, try to rock the paranormal trickster back on its heels a little bit, you know? <laughs> and try yeah. To flush. A little, a little bit more out. So it, it, it's frustrating,
3: but at this time I'm, I'm pretty used to it. I want to ask you guys both this question. What do you, th- let's see, Daniel, we'll start with you. Do you think a belief in the paranormal is required to fully experience
0: it? Great question. No. I don't, but I think that when you do believe it's more apt to happen, that, that the more you take it seriously, the more you look at it, the more it looks back. That has been my experience. And, and, um, with, uh, I've told you before that I have this theory that, um, paranormal uh, is, has a, an allergy to pavement. <laughs> I just, I've just noticed that when I get out of the city, that there's, it seems to be a lot more prevalent (laughs) and it's not to say it doesn't happen in the city, but, um, but the, but there's definitely a higher volume of incidents every time we leave the city. Mm. But, you know, I think at the beginning for, for Ariel, you know, when we started to, this became a part of our, our lives, when we would go on these trips, you know, we'd be like, I hope something happens. It's really interesting when something happens, but I, I think now it's the question is more: Are we going to invoke something? Right, because right. it seems to be almost a hundred percent of the time. Right. When, we, when we ask for it, it, it happens. Um, sometimes, you know, in, in a more pronounced way. Sometimes more subtle. Uh, but yes, I do absolutely believe that the more you are open, the more that it happens. But to take myself as an example, I was an incredible skeptic, uh, and and something happened that just slap me into awareness
3: uh, matthew in about 30 seconds do you think belief I, in the paranormal is required no and i i think that when you don't believe in the
4: paranormal and that experience slaps you in the face it's much more powerful than any experience you will probably have after you actually believe in it um so that's that's been my personal experience yeah
3: yeah, um, another question based on this line of questions. Do you think belief in the paranormal is required to make good paranormal fiction? <laughs>
0: we could do another hour on this one. You know, it's been on my <laughs> mind a lot. Um, uh, well, we, we should revisit this. I got permission from my friend, Mike Flanagan, who is a brilliant auteur of horror, uh, film and television to speak about his skepticism. I was texting with him earlier today and I said to him, I said, I think that you are a profound clairvoyant who's in deep denial about it. Um <laughs> he wouldn't be the first one. I know. Yeah. Well I was one, you know. Um uh so, um, I think that, um, I, I think that most people who are telling powerful stories of the paranormal in ways that resonate, I do believe that they are tapped in. I think my experience, cause this is one of my favorite questions to ask my peers, are you do you believe or do you not in the horror communities? It's about 50, 50, mm.
3: but I would say about a hundred percent of them probably are, <laughs> are actually are, are on the spectrum, so to speak. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a great place to leave this here tonight. Uh, Matthew Jackson has joined us as a ghost investigator. He's joined me and Daniel, Noah, filmmaker uh, partner at Spectre Vision here in studio in Santa Monica, California. Matthew Jackson, where can people find your stuff? Uh,
4: www.paraholics.com is the best way to connect with me. So I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, nice to meet you, uh, uh, Daniel.
3: Nice to meet you as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to talk to you soon. And Daniel, where where should people find your stuff? Um, a lot of it's on Shutter. I noticed your sponsor today. I know those guys. Use promo <laughs> code review from that, please. And then watch all of Spectre Vision's catalog, essentially. And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, again, Ryan. I'm Daniel, and uh, I can't wait to have you on again. I'm sorry we didn't get to Joshua Tree, but uh, next time we will. And you were listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry. And we were talking. We were talking about ghosts. We were talking about belief. Uh, you are listening to it here on Alternative Talk KK and W eleven fifty AM Seattle. Hear the show anytime on its podcast feed. So next time, keep looking up.